This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 5, A Perfect Financial Solution. Where do I start? Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious. Be stable. Be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everybody. We're so glad to have you with us in uh, the studio this morning. It does feel like you're right here with us this morning. Also with me in the studio this morning is my always wonderful co-host, Holly Bach. Welcome, Holly. Welcome, Mark, and welcome, everybody. So we've been uh, diving deep into some pretty heavy stuff the first couple of episodes, as you, uh, our longtime listeners, uh, can know for sure. We've been really exploring what is average. So this podcast is not your average financial podcast. Well, what does average mean? Well, we've talked about how being average means you're essentially in debt up to your eyeballs. You're throwing a lot of money into uh, retirement funds, if anything that you can save, you're putting them into things that you can't predict or control, and where mega banks and Wall Street are really essentially destined to retire before you or I could. So it's really, it's it's almost like, well, wow, if if that's the situation, if that's average, if that's what can be expected of our financial future, what does that mean? Does that mean we just throw in the towel? Should we just give up on saving? What do you think, Holly? Yeah, I know that it might uh, feel that way. And and we've been hitting you guys pretty hard with some uh, different problems and challenges that the average American faces in their financial situation. And so maybe hearing us, you know, hitting these different points, you know, one after another, you might be thinking, oh, man, well, then what what am I supposed to do? Um, And so we do promise that there is a solution. And we're hoping to uh, share some of our thoughts on what that solution might be. Um, And it's up to you to decide whether you think that might be a good fit for yourself as well. Um, But we've stumbled across a couple different financial strategies that we believe can really help the average American Mm -hmm. um, get out of the average rat race (laughs) that they're a part of with their finances. And so um, we just felt a duty and an obligation to share what we've learned, share what we know um, with everyone, because we don't want these to be strategies that are just reserved for um, people that are willing to do you know, all the research or, or only those that are the most financially savvy or um, you know, whatever the case may be. We want this uh, information to be available to everyone and the average person, um, even if it is not your average advice. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so I know that we kind of started uh, you know, talking about you know, what, should the, what should a person's financial situation look like uh, during our last episode, and we described the financial pyramid. Uh, where we talked about how there's you know multiple layers that we want to be building up in a person's financial portfolio in order to help them combat some of these challenges and problems that they're facing. Um, and so with this particular episode, we wanted to start at the bottom. Okay, so just think about your finances just like any other thing that you might build, right? So if you're building a house or you're building anything, you know where do you want to start? You want to start at? Yeah, the foundation. The foundation. Right? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the very the very bottom of it. Um, and so that's where we want to start here today. Let's start at the beginning, and then we'll worry about 
everything else after that and in future episodes to come. Um, So with that, we want to start at the foundation and the base. And so what I want to talk about real quickly is what does that base need to look like? What needs to be in place in the foundation of your financial pyramid? Um, So rather than talking about specific products, like we talked about also in our last episode, how different products have different characteristics, different strengths and limitations, things they're good at, things they're not good at. Uh, Also want to talk now specific to the foundation, what characteristics need to be present there. And so with that, with the foundation of your pyramid, um, it's very important that you have safety in the foundation of your pyramid, okay? So we want to only be using vehicles and strategies in the, in the base of your financial situation that are going to be safe, are going to protect your money. Yeah, I had a just really quick here, Holly. I had someone give me a, an email the other day and uh, he had about a 18 month waiting period before he needed to use some money. And you know he was gonna use it for something important. They were gonna buy a house with it and uh, he was asking me, well, what sort of investments should I put my money in for 18 months? Because I can't get anything at the, at the local bank. There's no interest at the local bank savings mm-hmm. account, right? Uh, and so he was asking me, well, what sort of short-term investments would you recommend? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm wondering if you would have any ideas on this, Holly. You know, where, where could I put my money where in 18 months I'm going to get a great rate of return? Well, there's just not really a lot of places. I wouldn't want to risk my money in 18 months if I absolutely need that money back. Maybe over a long period of time, I could put it in some speculative instruments that could grow my money like bonkers or lose it all, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if I've got my money in something that's not safe that I'm going to need to get again in just 18 months, that, that, that doesn't make for a good financial foundation. Does that kind of get at your point? Yeah, absolutely. And so if it's money that you're absolutely going to be needing, whether it's for a purchase that's coming up in 18 months, there's like a set time period on it, or it's just money you really want to make sure is never going to be lost, such as retirement, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> college yeah. funding yep. for your children. I mean, that's not money you want to be losing, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there's arguments there <laughs> that could be made for at least a handful of those things. Um, but just as far as, you know, the pyramid and the foundation of it, you want to make sure it's safe. That's the very first criteria. Um, but then also the another characteristic we want the foundation to have and almost just as important as safety is liquidity. And so that means that this money is going to be immediately available to you as soon as you need it for whatever you need it. So in the the case of your client that was speaking with you, you know, just mm-hmm. recently, Mark, that is the liquidity part. The fact that he can reach in in 18 months, take it right back out, not have to worry about any sort of penalty or having to, um, you know, take the money out after mm-hmm. a loss, potentially an inopportune time to be, mm-hmm. you know, taking investments out of the market, for example, things like that. So we want to make sure that the money's safe, liquid, and also flexibility is important with the foundation of your pyramid as well. Uh, want to make sure that you're going to be able to contribute to it, you know, what makes sense for you, what works for you, uh, be able to put in, you know, a little bit more in the good times, a little bit less in the bad times. So we want it, this foundation to be um, safe, liquid, and flexible for you. Uh, So with that, you know, and even kind of referencing back a little bit to our chart that we shared with you in our last episode, um, episode four, the strengths and limitations chart we described and discussed with you guys. Uh, If we were to look back on that, you know, we could look at the different categories and see which ones are safe and liquid and flexible. 
So which one kind of checks all those boxes? Well, there's really only about a handful of products that do check all those boxes. Uh, so maybe you know some of those would be uh, savings accounts, checking accounts, money market accounts, money market funds, maybe a handful of CDs could also fall into this category. Um, and each one of these products or vehicles, just like we've been talking about, have different strengths and limitations. So maybe for your client, Mark, um, that met with you, maybe a savings account would be the best fit for him for those 18 months, or maybe it would be a CD, or maybe it would be something else um, entirely. And so one product that we had kind of hinted at towards the end of our episode that I know we promised to really dive into here today, um, and we're, we're going to do that now, is uh, something that we call bank on yourself. Um, and it is a vehicle and a strategy that qualifies for this foundation. So this is a product that you can use to get this foundation set up and in place for you um, in your financial situation. So want to yeah, share a little bit more about sure. that? Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, so when we're looking at the bottom and uh, really the foundation of all of our financial life, you want the liquidity, you want the safety, you want the flexibility. And like we mentioned, there's some trouble with regular bank accounts. So what about banking on yourself, uh, right? So the, the studies that we've gone through, the research that we've done, uh, probably over 450 financial products. If you took all those products and combined them together, because you can combine a savings account and a, a real estate, for example, and that's another strategy for these 450 products. So you might be looking at tens of thousands or more of different strategies that you could possibly do. And I, I think over my time in uh, in studies and credentials and everything, it's really just, it's been hundreds of different ways you could put your money to work. Uh, for our clients, for, our, uh, for my own personal life, we came across something called Bank on Yourself, which is, of all things, a modernized form of high cash value, dividend paying, whole life insurance mic drop, right? <laughs> so when I first came across this product, I was initially closed-minded. My, You guys can't see it in the podcast, but my arms literally crossed. My brow was no doubt furrowed, whatever furrowed means. <laughs> and uh, I got stuck in what I call analysis paralysis. And it took me probably the better part of a year, about seven, eight months for me to just, just dig through my own bias. Thankfully, I've overcome that bias and I've seen what this product does instead of my own preconceived notions about what something's called. So I look at money in terms of what is it doing for me, not where is it placed and what is it called and what are my preconceived notions about that. So we don't have time today to get into all the reasons why I initially, along with many other folks, have a bias toward whole life insurance in this episode. We are going to be getting into that in a future episode, possibly. But there's a number of things that whole life insurance can do that most people don't even realize. And I think it's uh, worth noting. You know, so again, if we just take the label off of something and just say, all right, what does it do for us? What does it do for me? What does it do for you? Here's what whole life insurance, if properly designed for maximum cash accumulation, can do for you. All right, so let's kind of talk about why someone should care about each one of these things and why someone should care about uh, putting money into a whole life policy to help grow and protect their wealth? Well, the first question is, uh, where do you think taxes are headed over your lifetime? Think about that for a minute. All right, so I've got a quick story to tell. So imagine you're a guy that's uh, a farmer out in Nebraska somewhere, and, and you get up early every single morning. And you're making your coffee like you always do. And all of a sudden, 
there's a knock at the door. <laughs> and you stumble half blind because you haven't had your coffee yet. To the front door, you open the door and in walks someone from the IRS. And he sits down at your table. You're a little confused, a little frustrated, but you're you know kind and you offer him some coffee. And he, um, after a little bit of pleasantries, he looks you square in the eye, Holly, and he says, all right, uh, we've come here today to give you a choice. And however you answer my question, we will deal with you this way for the rest of your life. And the question is, as a farmer, would you rather be taxed on the seed or the harvest? All right, that's the question. Ask yourself that question, uh, you know, as we get into this, maybe you'll come up with your own answer. But uh, the guy thinks for a moment in the story and says, well, of course, I want to be taxed on today the seed because the harvest is massive. You know, I grew up in Indiana. Uh, you, you just get one ear of corn, which there's plenty of corn in Indiana. <laughs> you look at one ear of corn, one kernel of corn made that ear. And there's a little over 700 kernels of corn on one ear of corn. And one little kernel made that giant ear. And actually, most stocks of corn have three, four, five years of corn on it. So that's over a 1,000 kernels of corn from one seed. That's incredible. I'd rather be uh, taxed on today's seed than tomorrow's harvest, mm -hmm. especially because I know what today's tax rates are. Yeah. And where do you think taxes are going to go in the future, down or up? Holly, what are your, any thoughts you'd put to that? Yeah, I would just, I, I think we actually talked about this a little bit for, before in another episode, but um, really the, the unknown is the issue with the tax um, tax problem with what's going to happen in the future. I mean, it, it's the fact that we don't know that is the problem rather than what right. tax rates will mm -hmm. be. And I've heard a lot of really good arguments on both sides, you know, mm -hmm. as to what tax rates might do. Um, but you I mean, you can look at our national debt which direction that's been going. And there's really only one source of income for the government, right? Wow. <laughs> they, have, they have one source of income. So if they need more income to pay on their debts, yeah. then where does that have to come from? It's not like congressmen are mowing lawns or anything, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly I, right. Well, and then I even uh, was just talking to a client, I believe, the other day, and we were talking about their taxes. They, they actually already happened to be retired at this point, and they were saying that they'd gotten their money in all these qualified accounts because it's what they were told to do and, and what everyone else did. Qualified means taxed on the harvest. The harvest, right? yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is yep. going to be taxed afterwards. And he was saying it was based on this notion that their tax rates were going to be lower when they retired because, oh, you're not working anymore. So therefore, your tax bracket's going to be lower. Well, they actually found out that they ended up being in a higher tax bracket mm. because now that they're older and retired, um, they didn't have as many deductions. They right. had paid off their home, mm. so they no longer had a mortgage interest deduction. They Their kids were um, adults and out of the house, so they no longer had those deductions. And so they hit this point where they were retired all their deductions were gone, and then they had this income coming in from all their different accounts, and boom, they were in a higher tax bracket. And so they, you know, they they sat there and told me we would have been better off just paying taxes on this while when we were younger, our kids were still at home, than uh, waiting until now. Wow, that's huge. Well, and and so when we look at dividend-paying whole life insurance, it holds some pretty powerful tax advantages that most other financial products don't. You know, think of a whole life insurance policy, and if, if this makes any sense to you, think about an unlimited Roth IRA, because 
Uh, Roth IRAs are taxed on the seed, and then your harvest is tax-free. And that's awesome. People find all sorts of creative ways, like backdoor Roth IRAs and conversion Roth IRAs, to get money into Roth IRAs because they're trying to squeeze as much as they can into these tax-free instruments. But the trouble is, uh, if you make too much money in the government's eyes, right, or if you uh, think you want to save a little more than 5500 bucks a year, five, $6,000 a year, depending on your age, then they preclude you, they exclude you, they prohibit you from putting money into Roth-style accounts. But whole life insurance is different. There is no limit to how much money you can put into whole life insurance, uh, whether it's on you or somebody else. So that's an unlimited Roth IRA. Some people call this the, the rich person's Roth. So yeah, that's the first thing. Why don't we uh, look at the next feature that dividend-paying whole life insurance might offer folks. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there is kind of another benefit, I guess, of sorts you can say that a whole or what it does for you, what it provides you um, that whole life has to offer. And so I guess just kind of another question of why why is it important, this specific benefit, just asking the question of, you know, what does it mean for your financial situation to go backwards or to sustain a loss in your financial portfolio? So most people that I speak with or you know talk with uh, have this idea that if they sustain a loss in their in their portfolio and with their money that they only have to achieve that same and equal gain in order to make up the ground so for example you know you you have a 20% loss they think okay well i only need a 20% gain to make that up right well actually not so the case. <laughs> you mm-hmm. actually need an even larger gain than what you lost in order to make up that ground because you're starting from a, a smaller number, from a, a lower point in, to make up that ground. And so going backwards can actually be devastating to people's financial portfolios because of that, because the the market has to make up so much more gain, so much more ground than it lost in order to get people just back to even, mm-hmm. not even getting them ahead. Um, and so we see that having a devastating devastating impact on people's financial situations. And so one of the benefits that bank on yourself and whole life insurance can offer is this idea of having a guaranteed growth. Okay. So you have um, a guaranteed principle in the fact that your money can never go backwards. But then even in addition to that, you have guaranteed growth. So your money is actually guaranteed to grow each and every year. So even if the market goes backwards, you're going forwards, yeah. uh, which is crazy. It's powerful. Um, and so these these policies and the whole life insurance actually has a 160-year track record of being able to provide people with this guaranteed growth. And your gains wow. are locked in each and every year. So even if, you know, they, if they give you any certain amount of growth, they can't take it back. Um, which the market sure can, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, they can give you any amount of growth. Maybe you had a great year, you got 30% growth or something in the market, but then all of a sudden, you know, they can take that right back with a loss. Um, whereas that is not the case uh, with whole life insurance. And so because of that, it really becomes this wonderful dynamic where you have uninterrupted compound growth, where your money is just going to keep growing, keep moving forward, never going backwards, that growth never being interrupted. And it's just going to keep compounding, compounding, building and snowballing on itself um, to create these exponential um, 
exponential curves and exponential growth in people's mm-hmm. financial portfolios that is just so sorely lacking um, to bring people the kind of safety and, and, and financial security that they need. Well, when, when do you want your money growing the fastest? You know, it's at retirement mm-hmm. and throughout your lifetime. The longer you hold something, the faster and better it gets. That's way better than, you know, the closer you get to retirement, the more risky your portfolio is, the more likely you could lose something. Um, you know, I was thinking about how this is really sort of a, a long range financial plan, much like you get in an airplane to fly long range. Uh, every mile an airplane flies, it gets more and more and more and more efficient because it's overcoming inertia and it's spending fuel. So it's weighing less and less and less. So the expenses of weighing uh, and the weight of the airplane is getting less and less, meaning it's taking less and less energy to keep flying in that direction. It's uninterrupted compound growth. So it's actually the most efficient mile of an airplane is like right before landing, you know, <laughs> as it's coming in, leaving, uh, leaving airspace to get back on the ground. That's awesome. That's what I want my money to do for me. Okay. So, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's I, great. I loved what you had to say earlier about Coca-Cola. Say, say a bit about that. Yeah. So with uh, Coca-Cola, you know, they are, uh, they have a dividend that they can pay to their stockholders. Anyone that owns a share of Coca-Cola, they can pay, they can uh, pay out a dividend to those people. And then you can choose to have your dividend reinvested into more Coca-Cola stock. And so in a way, you can kind of create the same dynamic where you're, um, you know, compounding because every you, you receive the growth, you buy more, which then is more shares that can then receive an even larger dividend and it kind of builds upon itself. Um, and so that's great. You know, that helps you build your, your wealth faster. But kind of like I was just describing before is that since it's still stock, it can still go down. And you know, the price can still fall. Mm-hmm. And so even if you're receiving all these dividends and you're reinvesting it in Coca-Cola stock and it grows, 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 but then all of a sudden there's a loss, for some reason, you know, their their market uh, share takes a hit, then isn't that kind of like they just took their dividend away? Yeah. Like you just lost that dividend. Um, whereas with whole life insurance policies, there's also a dividend dynamic where they'll pay dividends out to their policy holders, uh, but they can't take that dividend away at any point because, like I mentioned, it's all locked in. So each and every year you receive that uh, dividend. It's going to be locked in at that point, never to be taken away again. Love it. And uh, so I'm just looking at the next one here and I'll just go ahead and jump in. You know, why are we doing any of this? Well, I'd say every dollar I put into something, whether it's a shoebox or a savings account, uh, is is ultimately going to be given to my family if I pass away. It's important to remember that life insurance is still life insurance. And even bank on yourself policies are still ultimately life insurance. What if I told you that you could absolutely uh, 100% of the time leave more money than you could save using whole life insurance? You can do that. If you wanted to leave your family more than you could ever save, the best way to do it is to put it into a vehicle that was designed for exactly that purpose. So that's something to remember. Future legacy is an important feature that whole life insurance offers. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then also one final benefit or feature of a whole life insurance policy, what it can do for you, um, is this idea of what we call infinite banking. Um, And it's something that you can use for all your major purchases. So did you know that you can use life insurance to help you make 
major purchases, large purchases in, in not your- Not just my casket, but other stuff too, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. It's not just for when you pass away. You can use your policy while you're alive. Um, everyone's aware of the death benefit of a policy, but very few people are aware of the living benefits and how you can use it during your lifetime. And that's where the infinite banking side of things come into play. Uh, because really, when it comes to making purchases during your lifetime, you are really, you know, in- um, you're, you're financing everything you buy, whether you pay cash or you actually finance it. If you think about that dynamic, because either you are borrowing someone else's money and paying them interest, or you're using your own money, your own savings, and you're foregoing yeah. interest that you could have otherwise gained on that money. I like to say either you pay interest to a bank or you pass up interest you could have earned on the money had you left it invested instead. Yep, yep, exactly right. Uh, whereas with this whole life insurance policy, that's actually not the case. It's not not the dynamic at play where you can actually use your money to make those major purchases and have your money continue growing. What? Okay. Say that one more time as we're kind of closing in here. I, I got to <laughs> make sure our listeners just heard that right. Say that again. Yes. Yeah, so you can take out from your life insurance policy and you can go and buy your car, buy your house, whatever it may be, and your money is going to continue growing inside your policy as if you'd never taken it out. Um, so really what we've just done is eliminated opportunity costs. So if I have $100,000 in my cash value in my life insurance, and let's say I want to buy a $30,000 car, you're mm -hmm. telling me that that year the policy will grow as if I still had $100,000 in there. Correct. Even on the capital I borrowed out for the car. Yep. You'll get that same amount of guaranteed growth that we referenced before and the same dividend that you would have gotten <clears throat> had you never taken the $30,000 out. So that overcomes the problem of making the choice of either spending cash or in, you know, uh, buying or not buying stuff. I can still get uninterrupted compound growth. Mm-hmm. Wow. Exactly right. Wow. Exactly right. Well, and so we're we're going to be spending an entire episode on on that dynamic, and we're going to um, have you know further conversations to share how that works because I know uh, that can oftentimes you know <laughs> blow the mind a little bit as to how that works. So we're definitely going to dive into that further. But I know we're coming up to the end of our episode here, so really we just wanted to hit on what are some of the core benefits of what a whole life insurance policy can do for you. So there's certainly some huge tax advantages. There's guarantees and the way that your money can grow, how it can be working for you, never going backwards. The fact that it's still something that can be in place as kind of a backup plan, a safety net for your family, and then also ultimately help you out while you're alive um, to help you make those um, big purchases and help you with all the financial milestones before you ever even get to retirement. Right. Um, so it's not just a retirement solution. It can be a whole life solution. Pardon right. the pun. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so. No, I love it. And each one of those features would be enough for me to put all of my money in the bottom, you know, all of my safe money at the bottom of my financial pyramid into something like a dividend-paying whole life policy. Even, even if it was just the guaranteed principal and guaranteed growth, even if it was just the tax advantages or the infinite banking strategy. Uh, so we are going to talk about this, but, um, you know, I guess, how does this, how do I get one of these? 
You know, how does this thing get designed? How do we put this sort of thing together? What makes it different, Holly? Yeah, so we'll be diving into that a little bit more in our next episode because these are a very specially designed and specially set up kind of life insurance policy. This is not a kind of life insurance policy you can just get down uh, get down the road with just any life insurance agent. These really are specially designed and put together. So we're going to jump into exactly how that works um, in our next episode. So this is not your average whole life insurance is what you're saying. Yeah, okay, exactly right. right. So just, you know, keep them with the same theme. Right on. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. We'll see you next time. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.